My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf podcast unlike any other oh yeah we have done it we're back this is fairway rolling the golf podcast on the ringer podcast network i am your starter joe house joining us as is his way our pga tour correspondent on the ground Nathan Hubbard, the tee is wide open. It's a Tuesday morning. We're strolling over. The biggest names in golf are playing great golf. Let's just get out there into the fairway and get this thing going. Nate Dog, how are you, buddy? Welcome back to Jordan Spieth Island. <laughs> Jordan Spieth Island. I built a tiki bar while you were gone. I built a nice hotel. It's well, been look, so lonely. It has been a quiet place, but here's one of the, the interesting things about Jordan Spieth Island. The number of people from all walks of life that came out of the woodwork Friday, Saturday, first part of Sunday to convey, to share in the shared experience of him being back on the scene. It was my mother-in-law. It was Verno. It was uh, sports fans of, of young age, medium age, old age, all across the board. Everybody loves Jordan Spieth, Nate. That's why we built the hotel while everyone left. Because we knew that when he brought it back, uh, there would be plenty of space uh, and lots of demand for the hotel on Jordan Spieth <laughs> Island. Listen, well, it was a great it was a great day. Part of it was it was such an insane round of golf on Saturday. Yes. He missed basically every fairway. 
and was just doing Jordan Spieth things. And it, he was pointing at people. He was sort of, he was doing his little smiles. He was talking to himself. He was taking his little step back after his iron swings. He was dodging cacti. It was great. I loved everything about it. Well, so two weeks ago, we kicked off the season uh, of Fairway Roll in the 2021 season. We had kind of a preview element to the show. We had our homie Kevin Clark on, and we ran through a handful of guys, and we tried to talk a little bit about what kind of season we anticipated. We did Ricky, Rory, Brooks, and Jordan, uh, all kind of quick hitters. And three of those four guys did stuff that was interesting. And one of those guys missed the cut. Now, uh, when we had Jason Sobel on last week, he uh, cautioned us to temper our expectations around Ricky and not use the event in Phoenix as a referendum on where he is in his, um, you know, ongoing effort to, to make progress with his swing. He has a tiny equipment upgrade. Um, and so our expectations for Ricky were, were, were tempered. We were, we didn't expect great things, but we, we didn't got a, get them. We got, <laughs> we got no things, but it's fine because we were told be patient and we're going to be patient with Ricky Fowler. But boy, did we get some Brooks boy? Did we get some, some Jordan? And how about Rory's final round 64? his lowest final round since uh, 2019 when he won in Canada. Yeah, it was the Mark Hubbard bromance. I got a, I got <laughs> so, a text from somebody, from somebody who was with that group who was just like, P.S., Rory McIlroy's really, really good at golf. I mean, he just knows how to play golf. <laughs> well, and, let's, let's yeah, go great. ahead and talk about that for a second. You were physically at uh, the event. You attended how many rounds? Just one. Just one, okay. Um, were you there Saturday or Sunday? I was there Friday. Oh, Friday. Okay. Um, so Mark was not paired up with uh, Rory until Sunday. Yeah. But you did get some feedback uh, and you shared with me Mark playing alongside Rory. And you say, say, how was it? How was he? And what you sent me was what? <laughs> he said, I have no idea. He was 85 yards ahead of me all day. <laughs> uh, Which is an all-timer. Yeah. And which is true. I mean, Rory was, Rory figured out how to stripe the ball on Sunday. He struggled through the early part of the week to keep the ball on the green stuff. Instead, he was constantly in the desert and behind cacti and whatever, but he just, uh, you know, and interestingly enough, that round that he had on, on Sunday, it's not like he was five under on the last five holes, which we had talked about last week about how exciting this, you know, the last, five holes stretch is at, out in the desert there. I, I really think this is a course that uh, Rory is going to grow to love. I hope he comes back. You know, to be fair, the energy was great for Jordan on Saturday, but I think overall the players would tell you it was still kind of meh. There wasn't a whole lot of buzz happening between 16 and 17 and 18. It felt good to have the fans back. Uh, and you know, I think by all accounts, it was done in a way that, um, the players felt comfortable and fans felt comfortable and including the guy falling out of his chair when Jordan drained the putt on 17. Uh, but I think Rory is still going to keep coming along. Uh, the more we bring fans back, he just clearly needs that spark of energy to get the game going. And, and Sunday there were a lot of people out, there were a lot of people following his group. And I think he responded. Well, I 
pose to you this question on that very same point. Can we not say the exact same thing about Brooks Kepka? I mean, because there was a spark. There was a, some pep in his step. Two missed cuts leading into this event didn't make us really think that there was greatness lurking uh, in, in Brooks, you know, potentially at this event. Do you think that the fans had something to do along with he had his best ball striking day uh, tournament in, in years? 86% greens in regulation, the most since his U.S. Open win at Aaron Hill. So obviously this skill is there, but do you attribute any of it to the vibe of the, of the place? I don't. I, I attribute, oh, you don't? Okay. I don't. I attribute this Brooks Kepka win to a bunch of guys around him choking. Wow. Choking, I, you said. I, I, it was Xander's word at the start of the week. You know, we, we picked him last week. Xander was very open about his frustrations with how many times he's been finishing second. And he used the word choking. I don't actually think of it that way, but it was an indication of how heavily it's weighing on him. We can talk about Xander in a second, but just look at Brooks's stats. I mean, his stats this week weren't dominant. Yes, he was second in approach. A lot of that driven by the last round. He was 11th off the tee, 18th in putting. Okay, you, you put it all together and yes, he won. I, I look, he is the mentally toughest golfer in the game, I think. I mean, maybe Patrick Reed is there based on what we saw last week, but Brooks Kepka just doesn't get flustered down the stretch. And that's what we saw. He, he finally, after he won, he finally let us in to the reality that he has been in some dark places. And that yeah. was an interesting moment because there's been a lot of, you know, I'm loving life wearing wearing Hawaiian shirts on Instagram stuff about not really seeming to care over these last, you know, 18 months that have been really tough for him. And kind of like, kind of like it, you got the vibe that he was pretending to be too cool for school, but underneath the surface and it, it, he cares. And that's something that he's taken a lot of shit for because he's got four majors and now four PGA tour wins. And so people have said, well, he only shows up for the mayor. He doesn't care about the tournaments, but over the last couple of weeks, you and I have been talking about, I, I do think he does care. It, it matters to him. That's why he showed up, uh, you know, at these early tournaments out at Amex where he missed the cut. Like, he's not there to just goof around. He's there because he's trying to get the game together and it wasn't working. Um, but he obviously has been working hard. And part of, with a lot of these golfers, and Jordan too, part of it is admitting that you're struggling. as opposed Because the longer that you plaster it over, the, the more that, that, you know, mental, uh, just shit show in your head starts to bubble and boil. And both with Xander, we saw that with Jordan, we saw that. And again, we saw them just eat it between holes 15 and 17, but Brooks has been there and Brooks is tough in the clutch. And some of the dispassionate way that he approaches golf helps him close the door in tournaments like this. And, and again, I think guys fell back around him, but he did make two Eagles in a round yeah. and that chip on 17 was iconic. Right. Uh, and he cares. So that that's the part where I'm not that inclined to use the word choke. The only guy that really either. seemed to to feel the pressure coming down the stretch in a pronounced way was James Hahn, who at the beginning of his round caught lightning in a bottle and damn near looked like he might just run away with the thing. Um, I very much admire, and this is very consistent with, I think, our worldview of, of Brooks, he went out and grabbed the golf tournament. He had two, two Eagles, uh, you know, in, in the round and it was there for the taking. And he 
put his his foot on the pedal, push down hard on it. Your point about his mental fortitude is exactly the right one. It's the thing that distinguishes him, and it's the thing that makes us huge fans. Your your observation about the dark places, and you're just re- repeating the comments he made after the round. Um, were very interesting to me because they were revealing about how hurt he was. I don't really feel like we had a good feel for how hurt he's been over that, that like, you know, from the, the, um, when he started pulling out of, of FedEx cup playoff events and then had to pull out of the U S open, um, just, he, he clearly was, physically unable to compete and was clearly as he shared with us on Sunday worried about his ability his body's ability to respond and let him compete the way that he he knows how um you know all, all, all the way back and 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 it feels in a way having heard all of that a minor miracle to see him feel comfortable and and let me ask you this do you think the belly helps any I love the belly. The belly's it, great. It, it's not the best sign for Michelob Ultra, his beer sponsor, but I I, I love not? the belly. Listen, in, in hindsight, you know, I followed him for nine holes at the PGA and he had guys coming out from the ropes to stretch him out on the ground and, and, and to try to loosen him up. And and that was that was not even related to the knee, which is what he talked a lot about on Sunday. That that was something with the hip. And I'm not exactly clear why he talked about it like it was a hockey injury for a year. And, and you know, a, a lower body injury, like he was trying to keep his opponents from understanding where to hit him. It's not a contact sport, I, it, but it's just how he handled it. Uh, and, you know, you got to take your hat off to him. I, I just said, yeah, I just felt like overall, okay, it's a great round from Brooks. He played solid. I'm happy to see him back. He won this tournament with his mind more than his golf because Xander shot even. Jordan shot plus two. I mean, we made we made fun of James Hahn because coming down the stretch, he really had some struggles, but he still shot two under. I mean, uh, around, uh, you know, Oosthuizen, who was in it, ended up shooting even. Uh, almost everybody else was at two, three, four, five, six, seven under. And, and so today, you know, on that Sunday... And even plus one round was not a good round of golf. And that is all that Xander and Jordan needed to shoot was was one under, two under. And they're going to win the tournament or at least get into a playoff. The interesting thing with Xander, and it's too early in his career to start expressing any kind of concern or alarm, is he stood on the tee on 17 and had a chance to, it's a birdie hole uh, if you don't hit it in the water. Has to be a birdie. Yeah, that's right. And and uh that and he ju- in, and he had momentum. He just that, made two birdies he, in a row. And the birdie on 16, the ball striking on 16 plus making the birdie. Now he got a read on 16 from Speeth, which was very kind of Jordan Speeth. Uh but you know, that that's right. You're standing on the 17th tee with the outcome of the tournament in your in your own hands. If you go birdie birdie, you win the golf tournament. Um and instead he and he had the right club in hand, you know, he had a a, a fairway wood, uh look like three wood. Um, and it just was a, a snapper and it snapped off into the water. And, and let's be clear. It was a 308 yard three wood. Yeah. And, and what, what was eye opening this whole tournament was how he was absolutely smashing the ball. I mean, 14, he bogeyed. And the reason he bogeyed is because he hit it 357 yards into the desert. 
So he just was crushing his drives. And it just felt like a couple, he got loose just a couple of times. He still is sort of learning his superpowers maybe. But 17 was obviously the, the, the pivotal hole. Brooks in front of him had chipped in with just a ridiculous chip around the around the sprinkler heads and in. And, and then he and Jordan step up to that group. And Jordan's already dumped it in the water on 15. Both he and Jordan dump it in the water on 17. And the tournament's over that quickly. On the Xander point, he has 10 runner-up finishes on tour since 2017. That's his most. You mentioned the driving distance, and this is all our, our homie Justin Ray. His, his best in terms of distance driving performance in his entire career professionally, he averaged almost 322 yards off the tee. So the elements are there, um, and we keep seeing him. You know, he, he's not top five Tony, right? No, well, no. I mean, Nicholas had 11 runner-up finishes in majors. You got to hang around the hoop to win. I think we understate how difficult it is to win as a golf community generally because we've been sort of bred by Tiger to believe like you're in position and you close the door. Tiger's the only one who does that. I mean, even DJ until just this past, you know, half a year, really, we we talked about him losing leads 50 hole four hole leads, et cetera. You have to put yourself in position to win. Right. But I think there was, it wasn't just the drive on 17, his third shot on 17 after the penalty, he hit it 36 feet away from the hole. Yeah. I mean, if he pars that hole, he's still got a chance, you know, so that's right. It, it, it just was, uh, it, he just didn't, didn't deliver for us there. And I, but I'm with you that I think, um, I think the words that he used choking are too harsh and unkind on him. And I, I, feel, I feel the same way about top 10 Tony, who had another top 10 over in Europe. Um, I just think golf is hard. There's a lot of great players. There's more parity than there's ever been. I know we're going to talk about the distance debate, but the equipment sort of levels the field and, and lets a guy like you know Nick Taylor win the AT&T like he did last year. Um, nothing to take away from Nick Taylor, but you know guys who come out of the back of the pack can win these tournaments, if they have a heater of a week, KH Lee, uh, you know, this past week was an example of that. And so you've got to hang around the hoop. I, I think it, it, what was uh, insightful and what I appreciate about golf is we want to get to know these individuals. And Xander opening up his psyche to us um, certainly was endearing and, and makes him easy to root for. But now we've got a, a litany of guys who are right on the cusp there who are trying to break through and get that elusive victory. We, we've now got Xander, who we're going to talk a lot. We've got Tony, who we're talking a lot about. Suddenly, here comes Jordan Spieth at the top. So there's a lot of guys who are huddle, hovering sort of right around that victory threshold. Who you know, One of them's going to break through. Absolutely right, and it's very wonderful. I mean, we're seven weeks out from the Masters. We have not even mentioned Dustin Johnson, who still remains in cruise control, the very best golfer in the world. And it's, it, there's, there's no debate whatsoever. Now, uh, I don't want to put too much shine on Saudi Arabia in that whole goofball situation and all the ginormous, uh, appearance fees, but, uh, Dustin went out, had his B game, won the golf tournament. Finau was tied for the lead bogey 16 and bogey 17 finished tied for runner up. Um, which is another, you know, kind of Tony Finau end. But we're going to, this year in 2021, 
glass half full. Tony Finau keeps being in or around the lead at the end of golf tournaments. Love him to win a golf tournament this year. And then a very, very quick shout out because I really want us to, to be paying attention to old guy golf. Justin Rose is alive. I guess. Team Rose. <laughs> Team Rose, right? I mean, it's been uh, 13 months, I think, since he had anything like even a top five finish. Um, and he's been through equipment changes and all the rest of it. But we are now, we've, we're on high alert looking for these guys that fit a certain kind of, of parameter, which is old guys with some accomplishment in their backgrounds um, capable of, of, you know, coming out and reminding us that the OGs are still in the house. I mean, former major winner Stuart Sink, winner on tour this year. Former major winner Sergio Garcia, winner on tour this year. Justin Rose, you know, reminding us that he's in the mix. Uh, we will talk about this Pebble Beach event in a moment, but I want to I want to ask you: can, can we can we dream dream big dreams about Phil Mickelson, or is that too uh, uh, asking for too much? I think you might be asking for too much, <laughs> but so many guys have dropped out of the event that that it's happened. I, I, I that that it's possible right now. It, it you know Phil's Phil's certainly somebody we got to talk about. Steve Stricker this this last week. I mean, what a great four days that he had. Uh, you know, the, the commentators just, I think he's so beloved. They really yes. were willing him to go and just talking about, well, maybe he's one of the best chippers of the game. He's one of the best putters in the game. And it's true that he had a great stroke. Steve Stricker didn't win a major. So let's not go, let's not go overboard <laughs> on Steve Stricker. But I do want to bring it back to, to the Jordan situation. Cause I, I don't want to, I don't want to let that go. We, we're talking a lot about, oh, Xander, Xander didn't win. Xander didn't win. We're not saying that as much about Jordan, I think, just because we're so happy to see him. But he also sort of previewed that for us on Saturday after his round. I really think Saturday was his Super Bowl. Okay. In, in that after the round, you know, he was obviously happy with the way it had gone at most birdies in a, in a round at 10, certainly his best round in forever. He lost like 3.7 strokes off the tee this week. Yes, yes. <laughs> and including, you know, 2.3 in the final round. He, he was first in approach. He was 13th in putting, but he was 64th off the tee. I mean, the reason that Saturday was so important was not because he set himself up to win. And I, I think anybody who thought he was going to win on Sunday wasn't paying attention to that round. What was so epic about that round on Saturday was he was just hitting insane shots out of the desert into position onto the green. And then, you know, those two long 25 plus footers on, yes. on 16 and 17 just felt like you were bringing back the, back the magic. But what was so important about Saturday for him is it, it got rid of the what's wrong with Jordan stuff. We know that it's still in him, right? He's still struggling with the driver, but now he has every reason to believe that he can do it. This was the moment we just hadn't seen it before and and so interesting they asked him can you do you know how many people as you said house's mother-in-law is coming out of the woodwork for you do you get that jordan and he gave an interesting response which was that he said look i'm really only playing for myself and no not really i'm i'm not sure that i that i know that and and for the rest of us it's clear as day but i think it at, by the end of the day saturday I think it felt like the momentum went from, geez, what's wrong with Jordan? Let's talk about his problems to a celebration of a guy that everyone wants back. And I really think we're going to look back on that as a watershed moment where he 
made that leap. He's still got to figure out how to hit a driver straight because again, 15 and 17, if he doesn't put the ball in the water, there's a decent chance he wins that golf tournament. But I think on both 15 and 17, getting up to the tee, I'm sitting there going, this is going in the water. Sure. As Sunday. Well, I, I, he hit it close on 16 and I let myself dream for half a heartbeat. If he rolls this in, why can't he hit one and and have one of those Jordan miracle putts hit one up to the front of the green on 17 and roll in a bur- an eagle bomber and then yeah. like like really set the sporting world on fire i i do want to pick up though on a couple things that that you just said um and it is jordan speeth's position on the uh you know in in the sporting public's consciousness because of what he carved out for himself at that young age and with the consistent, excellent, excellent top notch play for as long as it lasted with the, all those majors that he, he pulled together, you know, damn near the career grand slam by age 23. Um, and not just that part of it, that dude has charisma. I was yeah. exchanging notes with Verno on Sunday, Chris Vernon, and he just, Berno was right. He's like, he just has it. Like, yeah. we just want to see him. Like, there's something about he, the combination of, of uh, personality. He, he's cerebral. There's a relatability. And having that back in our lives. And having it back on our lives on Super Bowl Sunday. How great was it to have this golf tournament in front of the sporting public's eyes with all these great names, names that the sporting public knows and appreciates and, and a, and a wonderful opportunity for golf on the main stage. Right. Uh, And ironically in the year in which we didn't have 250,000 people all over the course going nuts, which is usually the sort of highlight and selling point of the tournament. It was the course itself and the field that shined through and, and you're right on the Jordan front. He just exudes a goodness and it was a special sort of 24 hours in golf to have him there. And if you're the tour, you got to step back and go, man, historically, this has been a dry spell for the PGA Tour when people aren't really paying attention. And in the last three weeks, we got the snail, we got the Patrick Reed insanity, <laughs> and, we got the, and we got the rise of Jordan Spieth, who even, you know, he shot plus one on Sunday, basically the worst round of anybody in contention. But, but you heard him after Saturday say, I'm not really worried about the results. What I'm trying to figure out, this is a feel player. This is not a guy who's out there with the track man and, you know, 11 million cameras around him, like tracking his swing in that way. He is a feel player and he's just trying to get to a point, as he said, where he's just playing golf and not trying to th- overthink his swing and you know, worry about the takeaway and the position of the club. He just wants to get to a place where it's a natural swing. And this felt like the first time he's strung enough of those kinds of swings together. And so for him, I don't think, I don't think it was about winning on Sunday. I think it was just about posting that round on Saturday and knowing that he's on the right track. I'll I'll be honest with you. I really felt like he was going to have to make some kind of a change to get here. Um, So uh, do you think he has made a change? I have a couple other follow-ups, but yeah, I want to pick up on that. What's the change? I, I, I expected that he was going to have to make a wholesale change within his team. And it does sound like he is talking to some others about his swing. But, 
you know, Michael's still on the bag. He's still got his, his central team around him. And so that speaks to his perseverance and his trust that, that he's going to get there. So here's the thing that I want to make sure um, we acknowledge with, with Jordan, and it is how important it was for him to shoot that low round on a Saturday. Yeah. Because Saturday has been his nemesis yeah. for what feels like 18 to 20 months. I don't know if it goes that far back, but, you know, the the phenomena we were having with him, uh, you know, what feels like, you know, five years ago, but really was only just a year ago, was him having decent rounds on Thursdays and Fridays. And then for whatever reason, not being able to separate himself and in, and put himself in contention on Saturdays. And it was happening with a frequency where his weekend rounds by measurement were, were significantly worse yeah. uh, than his Thursday, Friday rounds. Please, please, if we ask, I, I don't want to be too greedy with the golf gods, but if I can ask for anything, please let, let Jordan play good golf on Saturday. That's my only request because that, that, that sets us up for what we want, right? We want to have his name be part of the other big names on Sunday and just having him there is enough. That's all I ask for. Well, you got it. And, and we're coming into a week in which all of a sudden, you know, he's going he's gonna to be the focal point given how many guys have dropped. There's a couple other notes that I think it's worth talking about just because, you know, as, as we like to at the end of these fairway rolling pods, give people some ideas for where to sprinkle their money. Indeed. Um, I, I, you know, the, we, we've talked about James Hahn a couple of weeks ago, and he didn't have the best showing coming down the stretch. But James Hahn, James Hahn now has four top tens this season. And, you know, it's not like the guy hasn't won a big tournament before. He beat DJ and Paul Casey in a tournament in, in a playoff at Riviera. He loves Riviera. We got Riviera next week. I, pay attention to James Hahn. He's, he's back playing well, and he's one of those guys who you may not pick to win the tournament, but the guy's top 10-ing, top 20-ing in, in ways we haven't seen in a while, and he's stringing it together with some consistency. Um, the, the, the other guy that I think we just got to say, Carlos Ortiz has figured it out. That was an impressive Sunday. He, he's, he's the best Mexican on tour right now. And I don't think we would have said that given how hype we were on Abe answer a year ago, three top finishes, including a win this season. Uh, he's just that win in Houston has unburdened him and he is just playing great great golf and this is not a guy who absolutely crushes the ball he's a ball striker and a putter but um he's he's playing great golf so you I'm, i love it when you name names like that and i want to pick up on that very last point you just made which is not a bomber because we had last week it feels like again the the, the weird odyssey of the passage of time these days it's like so uh hard to keep track it was only a week ago that the USGA and the RNA came out with an announcement about potential rule changes and other areas of interest where they are pushing down harder on um, the idea of reining in some of, of the distance. Now, we are not going to do that topic on this show today, um, but I did want to, to acknowledge it and, you know, um, get your reaction to it. And in particular, what your thoughts are about Rory's response, because he, he, um, offered up some thoughts. He was, he was vocal about it. He didn't just, you know, sort of retreat to a manufacturer's corner and, and try and use platitudes 
to evade the question. So uh, just quick reaction to the announcement out of those uh, governing bodies on this distance ongoing saga and and then Rory's uh, observations. Well, I'm glad that we're going to finally make a decision here and stop listening to the old timers come on to these events and complain that we haven't even, you know, addressed it. I think it's time to make a decision about where the sport's going to go. And uh, Rory has an awesome opinion about it, which you and I were texting offline. Like, I, I'm ready to follow Rory into battle any day. He just, he is becoming such a likable superstar that transcends his performance and his results, obviously, because his results haven't been great. But he is a leader out there. And the way that he invited the question so that he could get his opinion out there and say, I think they're missing the mark was exciting. I, I do think that we're going to have to set aside a, a separate episode to go through it and get into it. But th this week was an indication, especially when juxtaposed against the huge bomb and gouge event that happened out in Saudi, where the biggest takeaway was DJ sniping a volunteer from 400 yards out in the back uh, with a drive. That was basically the highlight of the tournament. You know What we saw this week was a lot of guys scrambling out of the desert, making really great shots. Jordan's round was so fun precisely because he wasn't hitting it 347, 362 down the middle and putting a wedge in. It was because he was having to make these incredible uh, ball striking efforts to get around you know, the cactus and, and to get out of the desert. So it was a reminder that course design matters. Um, but, but it was also a reminder that like the most fun shots are not the massive drives up the middle. Like they're not that fun to watch on TV. We, we're not there. We can't see just how far it is. Like, so I value that we're getting to a place where we're going to make a decision. And, you know, m my own view on this tends to side with Rory, but I, I don't think the answer is do nothing. I, I think we're getting to a point where, uh, some of the technology rollback can actually allow the cream to rise to the crop, uh, to, to the top. And, yeah. and, and, and that's that's what I'm excited about in, in this debate. I feel like we've been kind of lucky as this debate, you know, finally kind of funnels down to a decision point to have a whole variety of of winners and guys competing that fit the entire array of kind of skill sets, ages, all the rest of it. In some respects, seeing Steve Stricker out there competing as a 54-year-old with the game that that he has at the same venue that Brooks Kepka hit a 360-yard drive on the 18th hole to ensure that he would make par and get into the house as as the leader. That's kind of in a, in a uh, weird way reaffirming to me. It's reassuring that the game can accommodate um, and, and the venue can accommodate that that spectrum. I mean, Jordan Spieth, 61, the guy was last in, in, in driving. Uh, uh, Patrick Reed's win at Torrey Pines yeah. last week had nothing at all to do with him hitting the ball, <laughs> hitting the green greens in regulation. It was an extraordinary out of this world performance uh, of, of short game and, and, and around the greens and his ability to save par and make birdie from very unusual places. So we are seeing, I, I think, um, an array of skill. And if where we end up on this distance thing, and we will do this, this show, we'll get um, a guest or two 
to come on and walk us through the permutations and the considerations. But I have absolutely no problem at all with bifurcation, with um, individual events choosing to, you know, specify the ball uh, parameters and or the equipment parameters. It, it's, I'm fine with it. It's cool. I want to see the best players compete as long as the playing field amongst the best players is the same. It's a level playing field. They're all playing under the same conditions. That yeah. then, then the entertainment factor will be there for me. And that that's what I care about in terms of my enjoyment of professional golf as an entertainment vehicle. Yeah. Sh shortening the driver is fine. I I'd yeah. really like to see them hone in on, on the technology piece that makes it easy for everybody to hit great balls out of the fairway on approach. I, I'd really like if they could find a way to prioritize the changes that they make to allow the best ball strikers to really, because that those are the best golfers. Now they don't have to take it away from you and me. I mean, for Christ's sake, like don't take away anything. I, I need all the help I can get. Yeah. But, but, but I love, I love the idea of the best getting better versus just sort of reducing the length of the drive that that's actually not going to solve the problem because you know, we, we kicked it off by saying Rory's still going to be proportionally 85 yards ahead of my brother. <laughs> it's not going to really change the way the competition goes. It helps with, you know, golf courses not having to buy more land. Okay. But if we're really focused on competition, the question is the guys who have the best swings and make the best strike of the ball should excel in any change that they're going to make. Otherwise, you know, I, I, I got to say, Webb Simpson's comments resonated with me at first where he said, listen, you know, it's about golf course design, but you, you can't redo golf courses that exist. Like we're past that point. That was a discussion to have in the eighties and nineties. Like we're not going to rebuild and restructure these golf courses to have more dog legs. Like you're going to run out of real estate that way too. You can make only so many left and right hand turns before you come to the edge of the existing lot. So I, I it was fun to see Rory uh, go hard after those governing bodies as a challenge to the way that they're thinking about it. Um, but it's time for the debate to stop swirling because it's kind of becoming cacophonous noise. And it's time for us to get to some decisions so that the rest of us know what are we supposed to buy? How are we supposed to play? Yep. And it seems like we're not that far away. So we'll, we'll see how this continues to play out this year. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. 
with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Um, Speaking of ball strikers, we are headed to Pebble Beach this week. And on the sports calendar, traditionally this event at Pebble Beach Let's us all collectively catch our breath after the Super Bowl. And it is a, uh, a convening of uh, celebrities from all walks of life, um, sports celebrities, music celebrities, um, actors, uh, actresses. It's, it's a cool thing. Um, not so this year because of the appropriate concern and considerations around protecting everybody um, from the the continued and persistent um, issues with the pandemic. So we're not going to have any celebrities participating at Pebble Beach this week. And the weather forecast is terrible. So we've had a bunch of of top-tier folks pull out already. I think Paul Casey is still slated to play in this event, and that's what, what ball striking... Uh, the, 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 the ball striking connection I wanted to make. I Jordan for sure. Seems like he's going to head up there and play, you know, another ball striker. Phil has to go play this event. It's, it's one of his last, you know, few opportunities, uh, to, to make a cut. Uh, Patrick Cantlay is on the card and, and, and Jason day is still on the card. Although the fork, it says temperature wise that, that it's not going to get above 56, I think. And there's rain in the forecast, both Thursday and Saturday. Um, What's your sense of how this field is shaping up? It's the poo-poo platter this week. And it makes me happy that the PGA tour has formed the partnership with the European tour that they have because the field isn't just dropping because of the weather. DJ's dropping because he's completely jet lagged coming back from Saudi Arabia. And we lost a lot of guys in the field to these competing events. And you, you said it, the, the, the Waste Management Phoenix Open is a great event. And it is the perfect event to lead into the Super Bowl because of the rowdiness of it. And it matters. And you know, I really think that that Saudi tournament, the, the money grab that it is, pulls good players and a little bit of a distraction away from you know, what otherwise would be the, be, be the focal point event in golf. But it also, you know, has blown out the field 
at a place like Pebble, which is just a, you know, one of the iconic courses in golf. And I, I wish was getting a better deal because I think the field would be the same, even if we had the celebrities and the fans back this week. And, you know, it is the precursor event to the Genesis at Riviera, which is one of, you know, the, 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 the most coveted non-major events in golf. Usually guys don't do great taking two, three weeks off and then coming into a tournament right away. So it, it takes away that warm-up event, which is the way that a lot of guys have treated Pebble historically. So I'm sad to see the state of the tournament. I really hope that that partnership, uh, through that partnership, they can start to work out the placement of some of these events so that we don't get kind of a crappy field and a crappy tournament at an amazing uh, golf course. Yeah, it can't be the case that Pebble Beach is skippable, right? And, no. And, and and to go along with the venue, do you think AT and T uh, likes the idea of all of these? Now they, I'm sure they're fine with doing whatever is in the the best interest of public health. That I'm sure they they they're fine with that part of it. But yeah, um, they want know, the big guys there. They have Jordan, to get Jordan is their sponsor. Great, but uh, or, or they sponsor Jordan, but they want other guys there. Yeah. So there has to be something, some kind of reconciling between where this Saudi Arabia event falls on the calendar. If the tour is going to continue to let its its best players, you know, it, the incentives are there. They go grab that ap appearance fee money. Um, if it's going to fall in a way that has a direct impact on the quality of field of what should be and has been an iconic destination an iconic moment on the golf calendar this is the clam bake i mean you know how is it possible that that we have uh you know the the worst field for this event In on the history. basis of the official world golf ranking since the inception of the official world golf ranking that's exactly right in its history this is the worst field it's ever going to have it's ever had we should get to see DJ play Pebble just based on the history there. So, so something's got to be done because the tournament matters too much. Uh, and and I'm excited to see the CBS guys covered. I mean, Nance just has to walk out his back door to do it. But uh, I really was encouraged by the way that they covered Tory Pines. I thought a lot of the camera angles, a lot of the way they handled you know the controversy, um, they certainly have taken a new approach. So I, I am, as a viewer, excited to see them cover the tournament. They just aren't going to have a whole lot to work with this week, uh, given the strength of the field. But as we always say, if you're putting a little money on it, if you're yes. playing some fantasy, right. these are the weeks where if you've been paying attention since the start of the wraparound season last fall, there are some guys who are worth looking at and, and who, who are, uh, you know, this is your opportunity to have a lot more information than the rest of the people who are out there trying to make a little money. So let's go ahead and, and name some names. Uh, it looks like Daniel Berger is in here. Um, yes. the, the stud horse, Will Zalatoris is in here. I yes. had him, you know, did, have, we haven't even talked about this. Our homeboy, Patrick Mayo set up uh, before the the season got going a one and done uh, tournament um, with a nice chunk of change associated with it. I have been playing in the one and done since it since it began, and I will tell you I haven't been doing well. It, it, it commenced with the Sony, and so far I play I played Will Zalatoris as my one and done at Phoenix last week. 
I don't really regret it because he was kind of around the hoop. And if he was the one that went out and shot, you know, a 62 or 63 on Sunday, uh, you know, we, he, he would have been, uh, in that top five, a hundred percent and, and maybe threatening to win the thing. So I don't really regret he played well enough. He just shot even on, uh, or one under on, uh, on Sunday. Hmm. Um, but I've used up Will Zalatoris. I used up Russell Henley, who missed the cut at the Amex. That that, that hurt my feelings. Played well last week, though. So you, yes. you're on to something with Russell right. Henley. Uh, right. I played Tony Fee now. Uh, didn't have any regrets about playing top five Tony yeah. at Tory. Uh, and I played Sung JM um, at, the, at the Sony. Um, so those are the guys that I've used up already. Um, is it for an event like this? I don't really want to use a, a, a stud horse. I'm not, I don't want to do shouldn't. can't lay. Um, how do you feel about Berger for this, for this one? I, I like it. I, I mean, I think Daniel Berger was hanging around last week. He didn't, you know, if you, if we dial it all the way back to the, to the restart, Berger has been playing great. Yeah. And, and he generally tends to take a little time to get the game together. Uh, but, you know, we saw him on camera last week, uh, sort of, not because of his own golf, but because of his playing partners, he he, he kind of was met. But I, I I feel like Berger is due to come through, and in, in a tournament like this, uh, this is a place where he he could go. But we've got a lot of other guys who are who are in the mix here, uh, who you might even you might even pick outside of the horses. I mean, let us not forget Frankie Molinari, yeah, who is coming back, has a top ten in his last two starts you know, couldn't be, couldn't be any more, uh, fitting of the mold of older guys who've won before, who we haven't heard from in a while, who come back and grab the throne again. That's been the trend this year. You know, Molinari is an interesting look. We cannot, uh, go this podcast without talking about Kevin Streelman, who is maybe becoming overrated and overhyped in the, in the gambling blogs right now for this week, because he has performed so well at Pebble. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, th- three straight top tens, five consecutive top twenties overall. He was T twenty two last week. Streelman is just a machine at Pebble, uh, and I watched him play at the PGA in pretty crappy, you know, cold weather, uh, and, and and play decently well there. Peter Malnati is a guy we got to talk about. Peter uh, it, it has been like a first round leader king. He's got two top fifteens in his last four weeks. He could not get into Phoenix, but he's got three top tens overall. He's twenty second in the FedEx. He's fourth in shots gained putting this year. Just this year, he's made a quarter of his lifetime PGA Tour money in the past 10 events. He's played 160 events, 165 events on tour. He's got a win. But just in these last 10 events, he's made a quarter of the total money he's ever made. So Peter Malnati is playing great golf. And because of the relatively low strength of field, he gets into an event like this. That's the kind of guy who, if you're paying attention, you know he's going to be hanging around certainly above the cut line and and you'd expect he's going to top 20. Well, I, I, I'm all over Malnati. I'm in a, uh, a fantasy league that's based on money earnings. I'm, I'm a silent partner and I'm not, I don't want to reveal too much. It's, this is with, with some accomplished people, accomplished professionals who think very highly of themselves, uh, out there. And I came in with, uh, as a silent partner with a guy uh, and we had to build a team from scratch. And I will tell you, Peter and Malnati is on our team because we had to pick, you know, this is a keeper league. So all the great names were already taken. I had no reservations whatsoever about putting Pete and the bucket hat 
on the squad and and he's absolutely vindicated it. Another name um, that I want to mention that's been quietly playing pretty decent and I like because of um, the kind of the, the weather forecasting and that's Matt Jones who uh, finished mm. tied for 30th um, last week, four rounds in the 60s and that's his, uh, uh, he has four top 30 finishes in his last seven starts. He finished tied for fourth in Bermuda, tied for 11th at the Sony. So those are venues where when I think about Pebble in these kinds of conditions, um, there is a kind of correlation. And then Matt Jones likes playing up here in this event. He's played uh, each of the last 10 years. He has two top 10s, a tied for 11th, and then three other top 30. So if you just want to put a guy in you know, at a reasonable price, if you're trying to build the DFS lineup uh, or a fantasy lineup, Matt Jones could, could get, uh, deserve a look. That, that's a good one. I also like Cam Davis. He, yeah. His odds now are, he, after all the guys dropping, he's 35 to 1 to win. But he's got two top 10s in eight events. He's just a great driver of the golf ball. He's 37th off the tee overall, 26th in distance. But he's had those rounds of six, seven, eight. He's under. He's shown us he can go low. And, I, you know, he's the kind of guy who could grab a first round lead if Malnati, uh, you know, doesn't do it. And hang around through the weekend. He just feels like that player, having watched him now since even going back to some of the playoff events, uh, who is is sort of poised for a breakthrough. Well, I I want to end this with what's reasonable for us to hope for as it relates yeah. to Jordan yeah. Spieth. What what's reasonable for us? So our our homie uh, Jason Sobel gave out Spieth as a top 10. He's available at almost three to one odds. He's a plus 275 to finish in the top 10. We know his storied history at Pebble. Uh, top 25 finishes in seven of, of his last eight starts. Um, he's, he, even when he was in, in the midst of his, his uh, struggles these last 24 months or so, still gets to Pebble and puts together some, some good-looking golf. What's reasonable for us to hope for with Jordan Spieth? Well, uh, with the rain the way it is, it doesn't make me feel great that that's going to help solve his driving problems. Um, but if the course is that soft and we're lifting and cleaning and placing, his ball striking, if it carries over from last week, should be terrific. We are switching grass types on the greens. And so I don't necessarily expect that the putting is going to carry over in the same way. Look, I do believe, though, that Saturday was the great unbundling of Jordan Spieth's mind. I think yes. that was a breakthrough. And yes. so uh, and, and part of it had to have been fueled by all of the positive energy that was putting him that way. So, you know, I'm on the team. Uh, again, I am the proprietor of, of the Tiki Bar and the hotel on Jordan Spieth Island. And so we are always open for Jordan Spieth. That's going to be the story of this weekend, isn't it? It's going I, to be how how does it carry over? And, and did we unplug the Jordan Spieth, uh, you know, constipation in golf? I love it when you talk dirty Jordan to me, <laughs> Nate Dog. I mean, like <laughs> maybe maybe this weekend while we're catching our breath, maybe I'll make a drink. What 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 would go into a dirty Jordan? Like what are the that's like what what's the uh, uh what well, something native to to Carmel something native to Northern California up there there's there's you know an ingredient uh 
that we can pull. It feels like maybe there's a margarita in the mix. So some of that, some tequila, I don't know. Yeah. Something, something that combines a, a Chardonnay from, from <laughs> Northern California and Chardonnay? some tequila from Texas. Yeah. Okay. All right. That, that does, I don't the know that great it works. and awful all at once. It's yes, probably it's, not going to work. It sounds disgusting. Well, if any, any of the birdie buddies have a suggestion for what goes into a dirty, Jordan. dirty Jordan, look, um, <laughs> we're, we're talking about this weekend. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a down moment. The tour is on a heater right now. I mean, we have had three great weeks of really meaningful, interesting, fun stories. There were two golfers featured in Super Bowl Sunday commercials. Let's not overlook that. Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau both had starring roles in commercials that aired repeatedly. So like this game and, and the tour is at the heart of the sports consciousness and so something's going to happen this week if if the trend continues. Maybe it's going to be Jordan. Ricky Fowler is hanging it around. He's one of the guys who's there. Maybe you know we keep pick talking about guys, and then they perform two weeks later. It would not be unlike Ricky to do the fairway rolling uh, two week later lift. And so it's it's worth watching just to see what happens. Yeah, I, I love it, um, and I also love primetime golf. You know, in primetime East Coast. Uh, and seeing Pebble under any conditions is always a joy and a delight. Nate Dog, that'll do it for us. Uh, we will be back at the beginning of next week uh, looking at your backyard. We'll be at the Genesis uh, previewing that event and talking about hopefully a Jordan Spieth victory at Pebble Beach. Let's dream big dreams, Nate. Vacancy at the end, baby. Come Vacancy stay. at the end. All right, my birdie buddies, my par-saving pals, there you have it. We will be back next week, uh, maybe with something exciting to talk about out of our homie Jordan Spieth. Until then, please hit him straight out there. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.